The skill sets are the same, whether you're an NFL cheerleader or an entrepreneur that runs a virtual business. Neither requires an academic degree to be successful. And if anyone knows this, it's Megan Myers. Well, she did earn a degree through USC Berkeley. She will be the first to tell you that it's in the trenches where you learn your best lessons. Myers learned how to run a business at age 18 when she opened up her own dance school. She spent two seasons on the Oakland Raiders cheer squad and ultimately began mentoring other women and teaching them how to find passion and thrive online. Welcome, Megan. Thank you, Debbie. I'm so excited to be here. How did you imagine your future when you were a kid? Oh, you know, I've always been entrepreneurial. My parents were my only customers, but I would clean their house. I would wash their cars. I mean, my parents loved me because they could pay me to do anything. So I was entrepreneurial in that sense. I always knew I'd have a business, but I didn't know what it would be when I was younger. I was really into making my own clothes. I've always been creative. I used to, when I was really, really little and I was allowed to use a stapler, I would staple pieces of like fabric together at my grandmother's house and fashion outfits out of that. Kind of always thought I would go in that direction. I didn't really know what, but I did always know I would own my own business. Do you remember your first game with the Oakland Raiders? You know, I don't know if I specifically remember the first game. It's more of a feeling. I do remember that first, if it wasn't the first game, it would have been the first game was probably a preseason scrimmage, a lot smaller crowd. But that first real game with 60,000 screaming fans, Oakland fans, which are a special breed of fan. It was is one of a kind. It's it's a hum. It transcends sound. The human ear is not even capable of hearing the sound of a 60,000 audience crowd. So it's a vibration and you're literally humming and your body is just like it's a buzz. It's incredible from seeing the fans in the parking lot before the game, everyone tailgating to we walk through the stands and meet and greet fans, take pictures. So incredible. And then to being on that field performing and cheering and just being a part of the excitement. Absolutely incredible. And you started dance late compares to most people and high school, right? Yes. So I had taken a class or two, probably late middle school, like eighth grade. So yeah, very late in life, all things considered. You talk to most dancers, they started when they were two or three. And to be fair to my mother, she tried. She put me in a class at that age and I hated it. I didn't like it. Being the good mom that she was, she did not push me. So it wasn't my thing when I was little. And I wouldn't find it again. Took a little class just again great parents trying to expose you to the different classes tried again late in middle school it was okay it wasn't until high school I moved to Napa literally we moved into our new house two days before I started high school and so I didn't know anyone was stepping into a new phase of life high school is typically a new phase but a new town and those cheerleaders really stood out to me I liked everything about them I liked that there was this group of friends I liked the uniforms I liked 
you know, the dancing, I was very drawn to that. So I tried out and miraculously made it without a lot of dance experience. But that dance team was run by an amazing coach who not only the, the technical skill was there and the choreography and the support, but just an amazing coach that really pushed me to be the best I could and really saw the potential in me. I got caught up quickly in my high school years with all those, with all my peers who had been dancing since they could walk. So dancing kind of changed your life in a way. Absolutely. As a child, I was painfully shy. Again, I tell the story of I had amazing parents. I had an amazing childhood. It was nothing like that. I just was uncomfortable in my own skin for some reason. Just felt like an alien in this human body. And it wasn't until I started dancing that I got into my body and sort of connected. If I practice and I can work hard at something, I have control over this result. And that just clicked in my mind and I started applying that to everything in my life. I went from showing up with a pulse to class and getting B's. I was a smart kid and I was a rule follower, but I certainly wasn't pushing myself or excelling in any sense. I started getting over a 4.0, started getting in student government. I was all class vice president, doing all the things, getting involved with leadership at school and putting on rallies and just started engaging in life more and dance absolutely gave me that confidence and clicked for me that aspect of I have control over myself which just again just put me in touch with not feeling out of body and like this alien in this human body but this whole person who could who's felt in control of myself and my life. And absolutely, as you can tell, that just opened up opportunities and a Mm -hmm. whole new world to me as a high schooler. So when you were in cheerleading professionally, how much routine goes into that commitment of being a cheerleader? And also, like the players, do you have to play on the edge? You know, it does take a ton of commitment. Absolutely. You're a contracted employee. There's this normal as you would just be any other job. You have to be at a certain place at a certain time. There's certain rules. And so you are following all of those. You're attending rehearsals. You're also representing a major brand, a major corporate brand. So there's also those rules that you have to represent them well. That being said, it's much more of a part-time position than it is the players, these are careers, these are full-time jobs. For the cheerleaders, it's much more of a side hustle. It's a fun thing. Most of the women were mothers or full-time students or maybe even had full-time jobs. And this is something they would do mostly for fun. So it's definitely wasn't a full-time career for me or hardly any of the women I worked with. Did you ever get nervous dancing in public, especially in the early days? Yes and no. I don't get major stage fright. I get what I consider to be a healthy amount of just amped up a little nervousness. That amount that, as you said, forces you to play on the edge. If you were just so comfortable, you'd kind of go out there. The point where I would be, I would practice, practice, practice. I was the dancer that while everyone's kind of putting their finishing touches of hair and makeup, I'm done 15 minutes early so I can be out front practicing my routines five more times before I go on the field. And then as before I'm stepping on the field, I'm thinking, okay, what is my first move? What is my first move? What is my first move? And as soon as that music hits and you hit the first move, then you're golden. Your muscle memory takes over and you can enjoy the process. So yes, I don't have debilitating stage fright, but just enough that yes, forces you to just be on that edge that really brings out your best work. 
So what are those trials like? Are they like a cattle call in the movie business? Is there a set number of spots that you have to try out for or do they just find the best people in the lineup? When I first auditioned my first season, I believe there were 400 women who auditioned and it depends Raiders had just come off of this was back early 2000s they had just come off of Super Bowl win a year before too so where the team is doing if a team is doing well there's definitely more attention on them and there's more girls that want to audition for the teams the Raiders at the time were doing very very well had just come off a lot of wins so there was 400 women who auditioned that season and there's 40 women who make the squad at the time so yeah it's quite competitive and the first cut they're looking for a certain type of look knows what they're getting into here but that being said there's a variety there's all different ages ethnicities styles they there's that they want a variety of beautiful women to represent their brand but it is a looks thing so once you make that cut then you go into a dance portion there's an interview portion and there's a panel of i want to say like 20 or 30 people that are members of the raiders organization or just different friends of raider organization people just in the industry that come and sort of act as a a press panel because that is part of the job of the nfl cheerleaders often we are a form of public the public face of the organization going to fundraising events and speaking and speaking to fans and so that is part of it as well now that being said do you have to be the total package ideally you are i like to think i was but so in general some women were amazing dancers and you know they might be front and center of the dance routine maybe their speaking skills aren't there and that's okay we don't send out Susie to speak on CNN but Angela maybe she's a pretty good dancer but we're gonna stick her in the back when she's dancing but she's an amazing speaker and accomplished whatever she is in her professional life so we're gonna send her out to speak on those big speaking gigs so when you have 40 women you can kind of play to people's strengths so they're certainly looking for for a variety but absolutely if you can be the full package that always helps. And imagine you have a set number of rules and regs that you have to go through too. Do's and don'ts. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. For anything. And it's changed. This is quite a while ago that I've done it, but I still know people in the coaches and choreographers and all of those things. It hasn't changed that much, but absolutely. Every team's a little different, but yeah, the Raiders organization, absolutely. We're Committed to excellence, as their tagline is, and really upheld every aspect of the organization to that standard, which I loved and appreciated. You mentioned that your best education came from the trenches and from reading books in the library. What are a couple of those books that jumped off the shelf at you that really helped you in developing your the other side of your life? <laughs> I've always loved sales and marketing. My first business was owning my own dance studio, which very much tied in with my passion for dance. I knew I always wanted to own my own business. It just was a very natural fit to start teaching dance. I started when I was 18. That being said, I had this passion and I knew how to teach. I had all that. But then once you get in a couple months, it's like, well, gosh, I'd like more students. How do I get them? And that was a very practical need to attract more students and want more students in my business that led me to marketing. So it was very much a means to an end in the beginning. So I've read every marketing book I could get my hands on, but I really developed, so it was a means to an end in the beginning, but through that, I really developed a passion for marketing. I love marketing and sales now, and it absolutely, it did it help my business at the time. 
absolutely. And now that's really helped me to do what I'm doing today, which is really being a marketing expert for other women. M many people, I don't get it myself. They hate marketing. It's like you listen to podcast after podcast in the business world. And so many people talk about how they hate marketing. I just am like, I don't understand. I, I don't get it. I think this is great. Nothing could be more natural or easy in the world. I mean, you're helping people and packaging things up and it's just communications. And so I think it's just wonderful and it's a duck to water in marketing world. So to answer your question, I love Dan Kennedy. So I very much came up in the direct response marketing world that very, I, it's a scrappy world. I didn't have to have a million dollar budget. I could take a hundred dollars and turn that into a new dance student for my studio. So it's very practical, very grassroots, very scrappy. That was very much where I was as an 18 year old entrepreneur. And so that really resonated with me. And most importantly, I got results. So I'd learned more of it and I got yeah. better results. The proof is in the pudding, as they say. Also the fact that you were in front dancing and even your experience with the NFL that puts you out there you have all those skills that you're developing naturally and that is exactly what you need for marketing <laughs> exactly and it's it, I think it's so interesting now I tend to work with a lot of women who are 50s, even 60s, maybe just coming out of retirement, but want to start another business, which just fits in perfectly with what I'm doing. And it's so amazing to me to look at some, often we don't see it in ourselves, but everyone's life has this trajectory that life has been preparing you in so many yes. little ways for where you're heading. I love biographies and, and autobiographies. I love to see that through line in people's lives and we all have it. And yes, for me, even before when I was right out of high school, I was Miss Napa County and the Miss America organization. So that pageantry world, even though I kind of think, oh, so silly. Looking back, it really helped to polish me, again, you train in speaking and poise and yeah. interview skills. It seems so fluffy, but that's really helped me in my career. The Raiders, they shaved off a few more rough edges of me, right? And helped polish poise, that experience. And then to find a love of marketing, I mean, to say all of these things have not combined to help me along in my career, it's amazing. And we all have that. And I think it comes from following those nudges from the universe and following your heart and following your passions. And, you know, the universe is going to take you where you need to go. Exactly. So talk about that moment when you made that decision to go from your dance studio to what you're doing now. Yeah. So I owned my dance studio for about 14, 15 years and I loved it. I was a proud workaholic, as I like to say. I loved it. I was in my 20s most of those years and really had nothing else to do. I wasn't digging ditches. I was teaching dance. I was choreographing. I was producing dance recitals, fun things. So to be doing it 24 seven, I would rather have been nowhere else in the world. That all changed though when I had my son, my first child in 2015. All of a sudden, I really wasn't <laughs> willing to just devote my life to my customers. Now I had this new baby in my life and this new season. It really kind of snuck up on me. I had a few women at the studio moms that kind of like, your priorities might shift a little bit. And I totally poo-pooed them in my mind. I'm sure I was very polite to their face, but in my <laughs> mind it was like, oh, that's so old fashioned. No, I love to work. I love my career. I love my independence. No baby is going to change that. And of course, as I say in my book, Mother Nature Be Damned, 
nothing could be further from the truth. It was an instantaneous change and there was no going back. So almost immediately it was like, well, okay, what am I going to do? Now I did have instructors. I had a staff of 10 at the time, 14 years into my business. I had an office manager. I wasn't exactly like in the studio teaching all the classes anymore. But it was still energetically 24-7. There's so more people have to be managed. We had hundreds of students. It was a bigger business. So I wanted to simplify. But I didn't want to give up that income. It was my husband. It was our family business. It was our only source of income. So just closing up shop to being this mom wasn't an option. And I didn't want to do that anyway. I'm a born entrepreneur. And entrepreneurship is very much a part of my identity and form of self-expression. I see business as a form of art. It's just art that makes money, which I is fabulous. <laughs> so I didn't want to give that up. So in that, I ended up hiring a consultant. And I thought I was going to be taking this program I had created with all my marketing savvy over the years called Princess Ballerinas, which was my most profitable program. It was the most developed, had all these lesson plans, these marketing systems. I consider it my Mona Lisa of my dance studio years. It was just perfection. And so I hired a consultant. I thought I would just open up a couple princess ballerina locations. And it was this outside consultant that said, well, why don't you just package it up and share it with other dance studio owners? And it was like, oh, I could do that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And that's what I did. That is something I could do from home. That's exactly what I did. So six months later, I ran a Facebook ad, started promoting it to dance studio owners. I have a lesson plan subscription called Princess Ballerinas. I share that whole program via a simple subscription digital with, I've shared it with over 2000 studio owners around the world. And going back when I launched it, I was so nervous about it, but it worked. And I thought this is too good to be true. Kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Kept waiting for just because it cannot be money cannot be this easy. My <laughs> life could not be this easy. This does not work. I believe in hard work. That's what had gotten me this far. But it was easy. I was making more running. I had my studio with, you know, 7000 square foot studio, hundreds of students, staff of 10. And I was making more for my online business with no staff, no overhead, no expenses, you know, sending one email a month to my hundreds of subscribers. And it was just, so when the other shoe didn't drop, you know, six months later, I'm like, okay, this seems to be legit. <laughs> so then I started to develop, or started moving into how can I sort of phase out of my studio and just do this full time? Cause this very much suits me as moving to this mommy phase of my life. I get to be the entrepreneur. I get to still have this great income. I get to build upon what I've been doing. I'm not giving up anything. I'm adding two and I'm making a bigger impact than I would have made keeping my local studio. So you're global. Exactly. Exactly. It was an absolute paradigm shift is the only way I can describe it. I was able to sell my studio. Another local studio was expanding. They needed the space. They took on the classes, the staff, everything, which I felt good about that could continue even though I was stepping out. And then I was footloose and fancy free. I've been doing that for the past eight years now. Wow. And the other shoe has still not dropped. So I think <laughs> the real thing. <laughs> don't tempt the universe now. Don't tempt the universe. So what inspires you outside of what you've already done? What inspires you? For me, everything comes down to, I'm really big on just living life on your terms. So another step in my journey has been for about the past couple of years, I've, now I help other women create a freedom-based business 
online, virtual, no staff, no employees, unless they want them. Just simple digital products, packaging up their passion and expertise and turning it into their own online business. That for me has been what really excites me. It's like life on your terms can mean so many different things. So for me, I'm very much a homebody, very much still in the family season of my life. So for me, life on my terms is just being able to be at home, be, go on field trips when my kids have field trips, be the mom I want to be, and also have this amazing career that's engaging and interesting, but it is flexible. So for me, that keyword is flexible. So that's what interests me. I'm still a workaholic in the sense that it's, my work is my passion and my work is my hobby. I love it. It really is my hobby. I mean, if I'm not working, I'm taking care of my kids and I'd have it no other way. It's my fun, the work I do. It's helping others to create a life on their terms as well, because it is a paradigm shift. Even though I've been in this world for eight years now and it seems so like, oh, why doesn't everyone do this? It still is kind of strange to the larger world. Most people still understand the commute and a corporate job and, or if it's a business, they think that means like putting things in a box and shipping it to people or setting up a little coffee shop. And there's sort of this third option. So that's what I'm really passionate about today is having conversations like this and just spreading that opportunity out there for anyone who wants to learn more, just know that it's a third option. Yeah. I love how you talk in seasons. <laughs> yes. It's such a natural thing, right? The world right? operates in seasons. Yes. Well, and also sports. <laughs> yes. Sports seasons, nature seasons, people in seasons. And absolutely what worked for me in my twenties did not work for me in my thirties. And what I find now in my thirties with my online business, I very much want to be hands-off because I was going from the extreme with my Brick and mortar was like seeing people every day, hundreds of people, and it was very physical. So I went the extreme other direction with my first online business. It was like, I just want to email you people and send you my ideas and you pay me. I didn't talk to anybody except via email and things like that, but I didn't do any one-on-one work. I'm 39 now, and as I'm moving into yet another season of my life where my kids are a little bit older, although I have a two-year-old, so I'm still in that phase. I love working with people now, and I love doing these podcasts where I get to connect with people. I love working one-on-one with clients now to help them create their online business. So again, what worked for me in my 30s, which was very distanced, isn't working for me as much now. Now I have a hunger to connect more and collaborate more and be more one-on-one and go deeper with people to help them with their things. So that is all to say what works for you now may not work for you later. I work with a lot of women, late fifties, early sixties. That is a very transitional point for a lot of women. I, I say the sixties are your new forties. So I work with a lot of women. They're retiring from the job. They don't want the boss or the commute anymore, or they maybe have sold their brick and mortar studio or business, or they kind of got one foot into retirement, but they have this wealth of experience and knowledge. When they hear me come along with, oh, you could, they could package that up and they can, you know, coach people or just get on the phone a few times a week or create a simple business that allows them to travel, see their grandkids, do whatever, just have a freedom-based income that still allows them to make an impact on the world and and expand their legacy in a freedom-based way. That really speaks to women in that and that age group. And I love working with them because they are so, they know who they are at that point. I'm obsessed with seeing that trajectory in people's lives. I think it's just endlessly fascinating. By that stage of your life, you have this really amazing body of work. You have this amazing trajectory. And me, my brain works where it's, they don't always see it, but I can look at it and it's like, oh, 
this people would love this or we should do this and it's always like yeah i just never thought of that before it just kind of really works out well in that but yeah to say that what worked for you then doesn't have to work for you now that is so perfect and so true thank you thank you for being here megan it's been my pleasure thank you debbie